Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Naomi is still praying that Boaz becomes their kinsman redeemer. Ruth 3 and 1. This is about Ruth's redemption is assured. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now Boaz, whose young women you were with, is he not our relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. So, verses 1 through 2 shows us Naomi's full turnaround. She came back all distressed and depressed. She was saying, oh, call me Mara, call me Mara, when she came back to Israel. Mara means bitter. Call me bitter because God did all this stuff to me. And now she's like, hey, get over there with Boaz. She's got something going now. It's like we have an angle here. She sees a way forward now. She's got her gospel goggles back on. She sees a vision now. She can see. And so she sees there could be a way forward through the possibility of Ruth marrying Boaz as their kinsman redeemer according to the Levitical law that charges a near relative with the responsibility of helping out Jews who were having difficulty surviving. And so this is why Naomi said in verse 2, is he not our relative? Like, hello, this could be a thing for us here. He's a relative of ours. She knows that God's law of the Redeemer from Leviticus could activate Boaz to be a way for both of them to have security. Because Boaz is very wealthy. And that's why Naomi says, shall I not seek security for you so that it may be well with you? What Naomi said was, I will help you with this Redeemer law so that you will be well provided for so that you can find rest and have peace and security. That's what I find in my Lord Jesus. He bought me out of slavery of sin, and I have peace and security. That's the parallel we're working with here in Ruth 3 with the kinsman redeemer is Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer. And so Naomi, Naomi had the Jewish understanding. She knows how it works in Israel of what a kinsman redeemer is. Ruth is the foreigner. She doesn't know about all this. So that's why Naomi is telling her and saying, he's our our near relative. I'm going to look for security for you. She knows that Boaz is someone who was able to bring them out of their trouble. And so isn't Boaz our relative? He's winnowing barley right now. It's like, I'll tell you where he is. He's right over there. (laughs) Come on, girl. Let's go. (laughs) You hear hear what Naomi's getting at? He's, He's winnowing barley right now. You got things to do, Ruth, get going. This is a wonderful turnaround from what Naomi was doing a couple chapters ago. Naomi is completely turned around, and she is going on faith fuel. She's getting it done now. She's seeing and she's acting. She finally sees God is working in her life now. 
And I wish more of my friends out there in the United States and the world would, would see that God is working in your life. He's not trying to chop you to pieces and he out of just, I'm just mad at you. He's working in your life to get you to look at him and stop walking around. Oh, call me bitter. Oh, call me this. God's working in your life. Do you see it? No, I don't see it. Naomi is. She sees it now. God has done some great things and she finally has it going and she sees it. And so she now has the eyesight, the vision to be able to give Ruth direction on how she should move forward. Boaz is winnowing right over there. Go get him. Let's go. She knew where Boaz was at. Ruth three and three. Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garments and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in, uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what you should do. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. And so Ruth was put, she was to put on her very best. You put on your best. When, when you're going to try to find favor, you should have on your best. Christians or those that say you are at least anything, if you're wanting favor from the Lord God, you should be, you should put on your very best. Put on those righteous robes of righteousness of Christ and quit goofing around with all that garbage that's out there. Put on your best. And so she went to make herself ready. This reminds me very similar to Esther. Esther did not just barge into the presence of the king right away. She put on her best. She, she put on her best stuff so that he would extend the scepter to her saying, you have my approval. Come here to me to gain that favor. So what does it mean, though, for Ruth to go and lay at Boaz's feet, uncover his feet and lay there? In doing this, Ruth would be presenting herself as giving herself, devoting herself to Boaz, which would be asking Boaz to accept her as his wife. It's kind of like a proposal. Ruth was not going to do this because the text does not indicate it. Some people try to twist it up that she was going in to intend sexual relations with Boaz. This is not what's going on here at all. It's not happening. Ruth was not going to do that because adulterers were killed for that. She knows better, and Boaz knows better too. This was simply a way of asking like a proposal for marriage. I devote myself to you. She went and laid at his feet. That's what that was. Now, if people saw Ruth making this attempt, especially, at, uh, you know, if they saw what she was doing, it could turn into gossip real quick. You see Ruth go over there and lay down. Oh, yeah, what's happening? You know, you know how people are. So she says, go late, like at the end of the day, when he's done working, it's going to be dark. Nobody can see it. She's going to do this secretly. It's not going to be this big public display. Nobody's going to be able to see it. And so Naomi wisely facilitated a careful strategy on how Ruth was to do this properly, to spare Ruth from public shame and also to protect hers and Boaz's reputations. She told her, go at night. Don't make yourself known to the man until he has finished. And after he lies down, go in and lie down. So this would be in the dark where no one can see him. Also, if, if I think of the possibilities here, if Boaz were to refuse her proposal and say, no, can't do it, then he could do, the, he could do so without others seeing her rejection. It would have been private. 
it, it would have been a private matter and it would save her from rejection, which, which would save her from more shame. And so Ruth only has that job, remember, with Boaz that lasts until the end of harvest. And so they need a provision that would extend beyond that. Harvest is done. It's over. She had a good few months of employment, but it's done. They need something that goes past the harvest. And so Naomi is using wisdom to send Ruth out with great expectation. You know what? When you go out, you should go with expectation. Don't go out, well, I hope the Lord does something great for me today. Well, I hope the Lord can get my rent paid today. You should have expectation. Have faith in it. Know that he's going to do things. God can do it. He made the whole universe. You think he could pay your rent? I think so. So she's going forward with expectation, looking for security under Boaz that would last them the rest of their life. This is quite a bold demonstration of devotion here, and I believe that Naomi knew that Boaz would not try to take advantage of Ruth. Think of all the guys that had this opportunity, what they would try to do with it. She knew Boaz would not do this. He had a respectable reputation. He was trusted to handle things with Ruth the proper way, that he would possibly accept Ruth as her kinsman redeemer, and that he would then give Ruth the necessary instructions on what to do next. Here's the next steps, because she said, do what he tells you on how to proceed forward with the legalities of the kinsman redeemer law. So now here we are in Ruth 3 and 6. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law instructed her. And after Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was cheerful, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself, and there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? (laughs) So she answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a close relative. Then he said, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning, and that you did not go after young men whether poor or rich. Wow, Boaz is really touched. I mean, guys, come on, (laughs) wouldn't you be? He he loves her already, but here she is. He's very touched with her devotion towards him. Now, when Ruth had said to him, take your maidservant under your wing, you saw that, take your maidservant under your wing, she was poetically referring back to a blessing that Boaz spoke to her back in Ruth 2. Verse 12, where he said, the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. So she's like, remember that that you said to me about that wing thing getting under it? Take me under your wing. And so when she said, take me under your wing, she was indicating to Boaz that her seeking refuge under the wings of the Lord was arranged by God to be under him, under Boaz himself. And Boaz is like, yeah, this is clicking. (laughs) So Boaz saw Ruth's devotion to be sincere and authentic because he knew that she was genuinely devoting herself only to him. Only to him. He took notice of the fact that she never once pursued any other men since she got into Israel. Just him. Is there anybody here? that would commit to anyone that likes to mess around and play the field. Would you commit to anybody like that? 
No, you wouldn't. You want somebody that's devoted just to you. And that's what's happening between her and Boaz. Boaz only is who she desired to be with her devotion. And that intrigued Boaz greatly. I'm sure Ruth was probably a bit concerned that this all might turn out not too good. Like, what if he says no? Can you imagine Ruth may have been concerned? Maybe he doesn't, won't go for this. I love it how Boaz immediately relieves her fears in Ruth 3, 11. He says, and now my daughter, do not fear. <laughs> do not fear. Take it easy. It's going to be okay. He says, I will do for you all that you request for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. Now, it is true that I am a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Stay this night, and in the morning it shall be that if he will perform the duty of a close relative for you, good, let him do it. But if he does not want to perform the duty for you, then I will perform the duty for you as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. Okay, so two major things happen here in this passage. First of all, He calmed Ruth's fears. Don't fear, he said. He did not say, proposed by a Moabitess? Are you kidding me? Foreigner, get out of here. Leave. I'm not going to do that. He didn't do that to her. Have you ever been in that position where you don't belong and you wanted to fit in? And people go, not you. Get out of here. You're not one of us. And you felt rejected like you didn't have a place. Guys, I've been there more times than I can count, and I know you have too. It does not feel good. That is not how he reacted to her. No, he told her, lie down till morning. He's showing her, you're accepted. You're accepted. For Ruth to be told not to fear, and also to be told that everybody considered her to be virtuous, to have good morality, that's acceptance. That's being accepted. Don't you just love being accepted? It's a good feel. And so that's a big deal for a foreigner from Moab, a widow at that, to hear yet again, Boaz has already been including her. He included her at the harvester's meal that was for the harvesters only. He let her dine with them. And now he's saying, don't fear. Lie down till morning. It'll be all right. It'll be okay. And so he, he's giving her assurance. He's calming her, giving her peace. And Boaz did not ask her to lie down until morning to have sexual relations with her. I just want to say it again. He asked her to lie down till morning to protect her. He did not want to send Ruth out in the middle of the night to send her all the way back home. He wanted her to stay close to him for protection. And so we know that Naomi had been doing her homework on Boaz, hadn't she? He's a close relative. Naomi knows about Boaz, doesn't she? She knows about him concerning the Redeemer law. But did you notice that Boaz has been doing his own homework on Ruth? Did you catch that? He told Ruth that according to the law, there was someone else who was legally closer, more entitled in the law to her than he was. Now, how could Boaz know about this unless he had already been looking into it himself? Boaz is doing his own work too, okay? <laughs> oh, you see what I mean? Naomi was looking at it from her side, and Boaz was looking at it from his side as well. God is working between two different parties to bring about the same outcome. And guys, God can do that sort of thing. 
You may be praying for something way over there. Well, they don't know anything about me. They have nothing to do with me. You don't think God can be on that end of the ball field dealing on that end as well? He can work it all in with your prayer. You just do your part, okay? Don't worry about what they're doing. God will make things work out. It's, it, it'll work out fine. And so imagine Boaz's joy when Ruth kind of scared him in the middle of the night. It's like, bang, who's this woman here? Imagine the feel, the feeling of, of joy that he got when she was there. I can imagine maybe he turned away from her for just a second to go, yes! <laughs> anyway, don't fear Ruth. I mean, just try to get in the shoes with him. You know, because of this closer relative, though, Boaz could not give her an answer yet. He has to go about things right. I, you know, we know that Boaz wanted to say yes, but bound by the legalities, he could not yet give her a definitive answer. But I love how Boaz basically said, if the other guy won't do it, then rest assured, I will. Boaz is going to do everything he can to see to her well-being. Guys, Boaz is what you call a gentleman. He is a good guy. Gals, you need a guy like Boaz. This is a good guy right here. The Bible's version of a good gentleman. He's being responsible in a couple of ways. First of all, he protected her. Stay here. He protected her. Stay here. Lie until morning. And also, he would not touch her until she became rightfully his. That is a big point I want to make here today. He would not touch her until she became rightfully his. I will cash in on that later. Hold on to it. Ruth 3 and 14. So she lay at his feet until morning, and she arose before one could recognize another. Then he said, Do not let it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. Also, he said, Bring the shawl that is on you and hold it. And when she held it, he measured six ephahs of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, Is that you, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, These six ephahs of barley he gave me, for he said to me, Do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Then she said, Sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not rest until he has concluded the matter this day. Oh, looking good, doesn't it? <laughs> Look at all this food I got. <laughs> He'll deal with it. Naomi knows. She's got that, that faith working again. She's seeing things. And so when Ruth Na returned to Naomi in verse 16, look at verse 16 there. Naomi asked, is that you, my daughter? Some people think that Naomi asked this because it was still dark. I don't think so. I don't think that's the, 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 what she was meaning when she said that. Because if you look at other translations, guys, our English doesn't do the Bible justice against the original Hebrew and the original languages it was written in. Okay? So our, our English says, is that you, my daughter? If you look original stuff, the translations indicate, uh, for instance, in the King James, it words it that she, Naomi asked, who are you, my daughter? Who are you? Who are you? And if you look in the NIV, it words it that Naomi stated, how did it go, my daughter? What she asked her said all these same things. So Naomi's question was to ask, how did it go? Are you betrothed 
kind of like engagement. Are you betrothed to Boaz now? The wording of who are you suggests that Naomi was asking, are you Miss Ruth or are you Mrs. Ruth? See what I mean? Who are you? How did it go? She wants to know how this Redeemer thing turned out is what she's really meaning. What is your identity now? Who are you? Are you betrothed to Boaz yet? Are you secured under the kinsman redeemer? So Ruth tells her what happened, that Boaz could not give her a set answer yet. And so Naomi told her, just be patient. He'll get all this sorted out today. Boaz is on it. He'll get it done. And now I like how even though Ruth doesn't belong to Boaz quite yet, that doesn't mean he can't load her up with food to take home. Boaz loves this girl. Well, you're not mine quite yet. And he's not really saying too much, but here, take all this barley. You know, he's really seeing to it that she's well provided for. Okay. Now some application for us. Here's what we can do with this story. It is important for us to recognize the work that, ha- that God has done in this chapter. Look at Naomi's joy. Naomi came to Israel totally broken. If you remember the people that hadn't seen her in a while, they were wondering if that was really her. Is that, is that Naomi? I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. You know, when stress does a number on you and it really breaks you down, they couldn't even tell it was her. But she's now, she's been restored. Psalm 51, 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Guys, I got to confess, there's been times that I lost the joy of my salvation. I was just kind of on cruise control. I was doing it, but wasn't happy. And he had to restore that back. How many times have you lost your joy in the Lord? Or maybe you're there now. Does the Bible excite you? It should. Like I always say, if it doesn't, you're not reading it. It should excite you. Jesus should excite you. Call me Mara. Oh, I'm bitter. And now she's excited. She's got some joy in her life again. Now, one thing I've noticed about my joy in the Lord is that it cannot be taken away from me. It can't be taken. The only way you can lose the joy of of the Lord is if you let it be taken away from you. If you allow it to be stolen, don't let the enemy have it. You hold on to the joy of the Lord. God was at work in Naomi's life before she was able to recognize it. Back when she was saying, oh, call me, call me bitter. But now she's being joyful and she's acting in faith again. Another thing to take note of Naomi is that her priorities are back in order. Her priorities are back in order again. Now that she can see again, now that she has realigned her priorities, the pain and the torment that caused all her priorities to get all backwards is gone. And now she can think straight. You know how you are when you get angry or when you're really, really sad or depressed? You don't make good decisions. And now she's making good decisions. She was originally so fixated on her trouble that she was blinding from seeing what God was doing. That happens, guys. And I understand that there could be some depression in the room. I understand there's some brokenheartedness. Guys, that will blind you from seeing what God is doing. But don't fear. God is at work like he did with Naomi. God had already been working to heal her broken heart and her joy was restored back to her again which has allowed her to see that there is hope there is a way out 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.